Hello and welcome again to another exciting episode of Releasing Your Inner Dragon with Drake and Marie. I am one of your hosts, Maxwell Alexander Drake. I'm an award-winning novelist. I was the lead fiction writer for Massive Sony. I've written in every medium, teach all over the world, blah, 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 blah. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Marie. Hello, my name is Marie Mullaney. I am a fantasy author and I have a YouTube channel where I discuss fantasy world building. As always, and I know you've heard this a billion times because you listen to all this stuff, but please like, subscribe, share. I know you've got a writer friend out there that needs some help that you that you don't think is a very good writer. So, you know, instead of telling him he's not a good writer or her, you can literally just say, oh, man, I found this great writing podcast. I think you'd really like it. And then, you know, you can put that burden on us. Um, so like, share, subscribe, add us to your favorites list. All right. So today we're going to get all grammarly. So this is going to be a heavy grammar episode where we're going to be talking about, really, we're going to be talking about sentences. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marie pitched this, this episode and she wanted to just talk about beginnings of sentences and how since the beginning. So we're going to talk about that in the beginning, might as well, since it is the beginning. But I wanted to expand it further into just sentences in general and kind of some things that I teach my private clients and, and, you know, the writers that are under me about and kind of how I push myself as, as a writer when I'm thinking about sentences and everything like that. So let's just start off. What was, what was your original kind of idea, Marie? What was like, what attracted you to this and and what is it that you wanted to discuss with the beginnings of sentences? I bought the, I I installed the the pro writing aid and ran it over my, um, over my text and uh, or over, over my work. And one of the things it came back with was that my sentences, I have no sentences that start with participles, past participles. It said I had, you know, sentences that start with subjects and sentences that start with ing words, but I didn't have anything that uh, started with with this other uh, past participle business. And so I'm, I'm not entirely clear on what that is, actually, because, you know, English is not my, <laughs> my first language. So I thought it would be interesting to discuss different ways that you can start a sentence from a technical grammar perspective. Like, what does that do with your sentence structure? to start sentences with these things. Now, the reason why it's important to do this kind of thing and to start your sentences with different things is because obviously it allows you to vary your sentence structure, which allows the reader to feel as though they're reading variety. And that variety makes it easier for them to consume the content. Actually, the the funny thing about, and the reason why I push you, you have to pay attention to your sentence structure because you have to vary it. It's not that varied sentences make the reader feel whatever, like what it's that rote sentences hurt the right, the read. So it, if you do rote sentences, like Drake walked into the kitchen, Drake picked up a, or, you know, he picked up a pot, he filled it with water he walked to the stove, he put the, um, the stove or the pot on the stove to heat. When you have this rote sentence structure, so every one of those are simple sentences, um, that becomes problematic to read. So it's not that, like, if I was to vary that, if I was, you know, walking into the kitchen, Drake picked up a pot. He went over to the stove or he went over to the, to the sink uh, and filled it with water. Uh, looking around, he decided to put it on the left burner Whatever. So if, if you start mixing up your sound, I'm making all that stuff up fly, it was terrible. Mm. But um, <laughs> if you start mixing things up, then it, it, it's not that it goes, oh, this feels better. It does feel better when you compare it, but it, it, it literally is invisible. If you do it right, readers don't notice that you're doing anything. It's when you do it wrong that they notice you're doing it wrong. So it's one of those weird things that, that you have to do it or you break your writing. You have to think about sentence structure and you have to vary that. Yes. So past part, that's a weird thing. So I use ProWriter Aid. I mean, we talked about that in my, um, yeah. when I got into my editing style. And I'm, I guess that's the reason why you decided to take that plunge. And it's got <laughs> some really cool things about it. It's got a lot of things that I say, oh, that's really nice that you gave me that suggestion. Um, uh, you can go stick it in the mud. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, 
like lots of things. Well, like yeah. one of the things that I think is hilarious is that um, I don't use any speech tags. Yes. And so it it hits me with like, it will say, oh, look, you use no speech tag. You have 0%. You really should think about using speech tags. You should add, you know, 6% or whatever it says. And I'm yes. like, eh, no, I'm not going to do that because I write with no speech tags. But then it goes, uh, 100% of your speech tags have adverbs in them. And I'm like, no, they don't. They literally don't <laughs> because there are no speech tags. Uh, so it's it's weird. I hadn't seen that thing that you're talking about with the whole past participle thing. And, and I just, I, I'm going to, when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, wow, I, I, I need to go looking for that button because Proper Writing Aid has a lot of buttons, like a lot of different buttons that do a lot of different things to hone in on your writing. It does. And it's weird to say to start with the past participle. So a past participle is literally, it's just a verb is really what it is. I mean, there's, there's basically three things, three traits that, that if the verb has, it's, it's considered a past particle. First of all, it's formed from a verb. So it could be something like the whispered word. So whispered is not a verb in that sentence, the whispered word, you know, it's an adjective, but obviously is formed from the verb whisper yes so that's one thing um to kind of look at it really the 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 way that most of us are using is just it forms the tense of our story so we're gonna say if we're writing a past tense we're gonna say you know drake whispered sweet nothings to his lover so now whispered in that sentence is is a verb and it's in past tense and so technically it's the past participle, which is where we get uh, past perfect. Uh, past perfect is where you're going to add another word to it to take it even further back in time. So Drake had whispered sweet nothings to his lover. Um, the had whispered is the perfect past, whereas mm-hmm. just whispered is the past. And so it's weird to start off with, with for, for pro writing and to tell you to start sentences with a past participle. So they say that some in, in published writing, like 3% of sentences start with the past participle. So you might want to include one or two. <laughs> but it's, it's also interesting that they highlight to you. Um, actually, let me share my screen. Because this, I, I found this to be a very interesting, a very interesting thing in general. So, uh, Obviously, most of your sentences start with a subject because, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Um, then 4% of sentences start with adverb. Apparently, 9% in published writing start with 0% start with a gerund. I'm not 100% sure what the gerund is. Uh, so it's actually pronounced uh, gerund. And basically, a gerund is... Um, it's a part, it's a type of clause and it's, it's what makes a complex sentence. So when you change, so like the dog slipped on the, on the floor, let's just use that because I'm trying to piece a couple things together. So the dog slipped on the floor is a simple sentence. So the dog being our subject slip being our, our action is what I like to call it verb, whatever, but I like to stick with it just to me, it, it works better for my writer brain to call it the action. If we added running into the kitchen, comma, the dog slipped on the floor, running into the kitchen is a gerund. It has no tense. So mm-hmm. like, I remember one time a beta reader had just learned about Ed and ing words. And so they were reading some of my thing and they were like, oh my God, you do not hold your tense at all. You shift all over the place. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I assure you as a professional writer, I am not mixing my tenses at all. But secondly, I, I don't know what because he actually hit me up um, when I was driving because he's also a really good friend of mine. And I was like, and second of all, I don't know what you're talking about, but um, why don't you look up the word gerund? And when I get home, uh, we'll have a discussion about it because I'm pretty sure that's what you're saying. Because <laughs> the running ing yeah. into the kitchen, the dog slipped ed on the floor. So running into the kitchen, you this is the easiest way for me to to say it because I can get into the details of like the rules and all that, but it really is, is beside the point run into the kitchen. The dog slipped on the floor makes no sense. It doesn't sound right 
to the English speaking ear. And so you don't say run into the kitchen. The dog slipped on the floor. You say running into the kitchen. The dog slipped on the floor um, because technically gerunds don't have a tense. It's just like, why don't we say run into the kitchen? Because run being the past. It's, it's, it's a rule. Yeah. Right. So yeah. you're right. And, and I could get Grammarly and get into yeah. the rule, but really it's just, it doesn't sound right. And if it doesn't sound right, don't do it. It's yeah. sort of like native English speakers don't even know that there's a rule that there's an order to adjectives. If you're not English speaker, you do have to learn that rule because it doesn't sound wrong to you to say like the black old lady, you know, whatever to a non-English speaker that might sound fine. Um, but to an English speaker, that sounds weird. And the reason is because the rule is age comes before color. So it'd be the old black lady. And that sounds right. Uh, we wouldn't say the old little lady because that sounds wrong because size comes before age. So we say the little old lady. We don't even most 99% of people that grew up in America don't even realize there's actually a rule to designate the order of adjectives yeah. um, because you wouldn't say the old little lady sat in the booth because it just doesn't sound right to us. Yeah. Whereas you would say the little old lady sat in the booth. That's the easiest way that, it, that without getting yeah. technical, if you're going to add a gerund, if you're going to add, and it's, and it's called a dependent clause. Yeah. So a simple sentence is a sentence with one clause it, and, it, and it has to be an independent clause. So the dog slipped on the floor. That's a complete sentence because we have a subject, we have an action. Um, and that whole sentence is called a clause. So not only does it include the subject and the action, the dog slipped, which we could put a period there, but it also has the direct object on the floor. And I'm doing all this out of my head, but I'm pretty sure that's a prepositional phrase. Although I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I started really diagramming hardcore. So that's all a clause, you know, the whole thing, yeah. which is why running into the kitchen, comma, the dog slipped on the floor is not a simple sentence anymore. It's considered a complex sentence because a complex sentence. So to be a simple sentence, it has a it has one clause. Now, that clause can be pretty big. A simple sentence can be a paragraph long. Mm. It just doesn't have any independent clauses in it or any other clauses. And a clause, again, is or an independent clause is a sentence that can stand on its own, whereas a dependent clause needs an independent clause to make sense. So like the sentence running into the kitchen doesn't make any sense. Yeah, It doesn't do anything because it's dependent on something else to make sense. And so where you can say the dog slipped on the floor, that's a sentence, but running into the kitchen, comma, the dog slipped on the floor. Now that becomes what's called a complex sentence because we are doing more than just that. Yeah, so so gerunds, I don't have any with in this text, apparently, but I do have sentences that start with subordinate conjunction, which apparently is things like, at the lake bed, he paused to catch the rhythm of his heartbeat, and in all possible definitions. Apparently, that is a subordinate conjunction, and it's used in 11% of published writing. I've got some, I've got one at least. Uh, coordinating conjunction, which is apparently but. Right. Or than. Or than, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then here's the past participle part. <laughs> and then verb followed by a subject, uh, which is apparently like, help me up. Right. Or mine. Not sure how that's a verb, but okay. Um, because it's so pro writing aid has limitations. And so it's using that as a verb mine, not as a noun. Oh, I see. Mine. Yeah, I understand. Right. Yeah. He mined or. Yeah. Mind the or. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then introductory words. Uh, so. Couple, couple caveats before we get too yeah. deep in all of this. I did, and and maybe, and I don't know if I actually, um, if I actually did this warning when we were doing the editing side. Pro writing aid is something that I use. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's a really cool thing. However, it also 
isn't very creative. And so I give it the middle finger a lot. Not in, not in a rude way, just a, okay, thanks for telling me that. Now I don't care. I'm not going to listen to you. I don't think I've ever looked at my sentence structure. So that's what it's called, sentence length. So it's, it's um, normally, how do I get there again? Uh, so any, anything like ing starts or conjunction starts or anything like that, um, you can click on them and it'll bring up the whole paragraph. Okay. All right. That, that whole thing. I also found it interesting that you can set in pro writing, you can set what type of fantasy, uh, what type of thing you're writing. And I found that it actually made a difference when I told it I was writing fantasy over, say, general fiction. Right. And I think that's what mine is set at. It's been a while since I set mine up. Hmm. Um, and I guess you have to do that every time. I don't know if it staves it because I just had to set mine. Yeah, there's two. So like one of the things it talks about is glue words, which is prepositions and prepositional phrases that I just, I don't care. I'm always high on it. Cause I do tend to put, I like to put a lot in mine and then um, grammatically. And I do overuse it's, it's also called an introductory clause. What we were just talking about the gerund is an introductory clause. I do overuse them. I've always overused them. I like overusing them. I, I have cut down over the years but mm. I don't care. Yeah. So it's got me 5% of your 5% of your sentence start with a gerund and you should have 0%. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Oh, yeah. See, I don't, this chapter I just dropped in says that I have no past participle startings either. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. I'm not <laughs> adding any. But I was curious as to how you would start the sentence with a past participle after I looked up what yeah, a past when you, when was. you said so that, like, that's when I was like, man, I mean, there how, are how ways. How would you start a sentence with a, because a past participle example would be if, if the dog is running, what's, what's the past participle? Ran. Okay. So how? <laughs> right. But see, to me, that turns it into the subject. So like maybe something like swollen eyes looked out from beneath the stack of boxes or whatever. But now swollen eyes, technically you could say that swollen is a past participle of swell, but, and it is an adjective now because it's an adjective on top of eyes because it's describing the eyes. But the whole thing to me is the subject. Um, and so that's the thing. That's the thing with pro writing aid is that I feel like you have to take a step back. Yeah, yeah. Creative writing is not technical writing. And yes, I did change it to, you know, fantasy and all that on this document that I'm looking at, but it still says, you know, whatever, like 5% of your sentence start with a gerund and you should have 0% in published writing. Yeah, screw you. I'm going to have, I yeah. like, I like my complex sentences um, because it adds so much. Well, like, like this sentence. So one of the boys, it's a boy and a dad. And the boy says, the boy's not his son, but the boy says, uh, what you thinking, Miriam Core? And the, the next line is shrugging. Tannen gave a dismissive wave. And then he says, probably nothing. But I mean, the shrugging is my mm-hmm. gerund and Tannen gave a dismissive wave is my sentence wave. I like that. I like the, the visualness that that brings up in the sentence shrugging. It gave a dismissive wave like eh, probably nothing because you know, one of the things that's really hard about not using speech tags and, and there's only two published authors that I know of that don't use speech tags, me and the guy who wrote the road. And if you ever read the road, he also doesn't use punctuation. So you can never know who's talking ever. It's just horribly (laughs) written. I cannot believe it's won awards or even got published for that matter. But the, the thing that I do because I've been doing it for 30 years that I think I do really well is like this example, shrugging Tannen gave a dismissive way. Mm -hmm. When you start with that, you're going to read the next piece of dialogue in a very dismissive way because Mm -hmm. I've described a very dismissive action. So you're not going to read, you know, the word probably nothing as the man said, that's the the full piece of dialogue. You're not going to read it 
as an excitement thing. You're not going to read, you know, it's not going to be, you know, he's not afraid. He's probably nothing, you know, as the man, like he's, he's completely dismissive in his actions. And so therefore the reader is going to then read the dialogue as if it's said in a very dismissive way, even though I don't say, Mm. you know, he said dismissively, to, mm-hmm. I don't describe how because I don't use speech text, so I don't ever describe how the text is, is being said. What I do is I make sure that the that the narration describes the body language or the emotion yeah. or whatever, so that through subtext you can get you know again shrugging. Tannen gave a dismissive wave, mm-hmm. probably nothing, as the man said. Like it's just eh, whatever, dude. Stop asking me questions. It's, it's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Like you just get that from the body language of the characters. And that is hard. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is. That's why I always tell everybody, don't follow me down the don't use any speech tags path. Yeah. Because every once in a while, it's just really nice to say Tannen said or said Tannen. Like, it's just really nice to write that that word because it just when you don't use it, you have to you because you can't write. Tannen nodded, Tannen nodded, Tannen nodded, Tannen nodded, Tannen nodded, because you might as well say Tannen said. Um, so it puts you into some situations where you do have to think a lot more about the action that's going on around mm-hmm. them. So I do. I, I, I overuse my ing starting words um, yeah. and I don't care. I, it's my writing style. It's so my it's, voice. And yeah. no one pings me on it. So I, I, I agree with that. Like, I'm not saying you should try and slavishly follow it. But I was very interested to see if we could come up with a sentence that starts with a past participle that makes sense. Because I was like, I'm not sure how this would look. Abandoned by his parents at an early age, James took to stealing. Okay. Okay. I get it. Exhausted, Exhausted by his efforts in jumping to the top of the lake. Louis collapsed onto the boat. Right. Right. Um, And and in that case, so like in this one, abandoned by his parents, that's not an adjective. So it's not Mm -hmm. like the 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 whispered word that I used Mm -hmm. earlier. Um, This one is still a verb. It's Mm -hmm. not the subject because abandoned by his parents at an early age is still an independent clause. I mean, a, a dependent clause it is still dependent on something else to make sense. So abandoned by his parents at an early age. Yeah. There's nothing for it. So you have to have the actual clause. So the sentence is James took to stealing because Mm. James is our subject. Took is our. Yeah. So it's basically um, the same as, as say the, the, the Gerund. That habit of English of making a J out of a G sound. Anyway. Um, Gerund. Sorry, that's where you can hear that I'm foreign, <laughs> right. know, that I speak foreign, is, is in yeah. that G, that G sound. And everybody has their toes. I love, I love Canadians because for the most part, if you can be talking to a Canadian for hours and never know they're Canadian until they go, a boot. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, you're Canadian. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, anyway, so, so um, in, the, in the, the gerund would be the ing starting with a verb that starts with ing, and then the past participle would be starting with a verb that's in its actual past form. Right. Okay. Right. Okay, well, that's, that's actually an interesting variation of a start of a sentence that I did not it think is. of. It is. Yeah. Um, I'll but have I to don't... start including a few of them. Not a lot. Because right. it doesn't feel like a thing that should have a lot, but there, there might be a few. So my recommendation would be, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm mm. not going to go out of my way to look for a sentence like abandoned by his parents at an early age. Because here's the problem that I have, at least with all the examples that I'm looking at that I looked mm. up. They're all incredibly telly. Mm. They are. And that's probably the reason why I never have any. If, if every one of these. Um, like being imported, the fruit was expensive. Um. Like it's such a crappy telly line. There's no immersion. There's no emotion. There's no anything. That's why when I threw, like I said, I just threw one of my chapters into Pro Writing 80 and looked at that. I also have zero of them. Yeah. But now that I'm looking at these, now I'm going, yeah, that's why. These like abandoned by his parents at an early age. Hello, Mr. Reader. I am the writer. Let me tell you some information about this story that is literally coming from me, the writer, talking to you, the reader. And that's it's just you're just destroying your immersion and and the 
everything that I do, all the showiness that I write, what I'm famous for, which is you won't even notice that you're reading words. You're just going to watch a movie in your head. If I said abandoned by a parent, is there, like, I'm just, I'm just literally stepping into the story at that point. And you're like, Whoa, where the hell did you come from? Ugh, go away. Like you scare me. I want to, I just want to live the life of the character. So that's, and, and again, I've never gone down this path. So this is, this is interesting. And I may, cause I'm actually, almost a third of the first of the creative writing book that I'm writing, which is all about grammar. The Holy book of grammar is literally about sentences and sentence structure. So I go through simple sentences and all the different ways to use it. I go through um, um, complex sentences, compound sentences, and then complex compound sentences, which are the four types of sentences. That's it. So a simple sentence is just a sentence with a clause. So, you know, like we said earlier, the dog slipped on the floor, dog being our subject slipped being our action and then uh, on the floor being our direct object. What, what, is, what is happening? Because this, uh, you could also just say the dog slipped. That's yeah. a complete sentence. The dog is our subject, slipped is our action. So those are simple sentences. And you can get a little bigger because you can have a lot of prepositional phrases because those aren't clauses, uh, independent or dependent. Uh, so the, I've actually seen simple phrases are example for the foreigner. So a preposition is words like of on to okay okay yeah 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 actually i think i have a whole list hold on a second let me pull it up real quick so we basically divide them out into um into commonly used prepositional phrase or prepositions and not commonly used so commonly used and, and these are not necessarily always prepositions but this is like they can be so about above across after against among around at before behind okay. below beside um so like beside the tree so beside yeah. is your preposition on, and your on preposition. the floor etc i got right. you down in up so if we said beside the tree beside is our preposition but the whole prepositional phrase would be beside the tree hmm. um which a lot of times can be the direct object of the sentence so um drake slept beside the tree hmm. so beside the tree is the object of where drake is sleeping so it is a direct object of the sentence because drake is our subject slept is our action but then again it's also a prepositional phrase because beside the tree the only like i just i actually just finished writing the chapter on um prepositional phrases and the big the big thing there is you really don't want more than one prepositional phrase in a sentence because it's information. And when you write with too many prepositional phrases in a sentence, you're starting to shove too much information in. And I think the example I used was something like Spider-Man swung to the roof, placed his two middle fingers in the palm of his, or pressed his two middle fingers into his palm, shot a web across the alley to an adjacent fire escape. And then our, launching himself in the air something like that i remember exactly how it was um but it had like five prepositional phrases in it and so i go through and i underline them and i talk about them and everything like that i guess i could open up the document and it's just so much that the reader is going to miss details you're shoving too much in so mm -hmm. the reason why one of my macros and i talked about my macros one of my macros actually pops prepositions and i just do prepositions because i do try to limit myself to one prepositional phrase per sentence Here's the um, example that I used. Swinging to the ledge, Spider-Man pressed his two middle fingers into his palm, shot a web across the, across the alley to an adjacent fire escape, then leapt into the air. So swinging to the ledge is a dependent clause. Mm -hmm. It is a gerund, but to the ledge is a prepositional phrase with two being the preposition. The sentence is Spider-Man pressed, you know, his two middle fingers into his palm. That's kind of the, cause that's the, that's the clause uh, Spider-Man being the subject and press being the action, but into his palm is a prepositional phrase shot a web across the alley is a prepositional phrase to an adjacent fire escape is a prepositional phrase then left into the air is a prepositional phrase. Um, and so it's just too many. It's, mm. it's too much going on. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times, and what I get into in here is a lot. The, one of the reasons why I like looking at them is, is a lot of times you add things in there that are redundant. So in other mm -hmm. words, like the section that says um, 
shot a web across the alley to an adjacent fire escape. So that's two prepositional phrases. But if I shot it to an adjacent fire escape, can't I assume that I'm shooting it across the alleyway to get there? So like, why shouldn't I, why wouldn't I just cut that down to shot a web to an adjacent fire escape? Because Mm. an adjacent fire escape means it's on the other side of the alley road, whatever that you're on. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things the reason why I say you should look at your prepositional phrases is because a lot of times you will do. I mean, I see that all the freaking time in people's writing that they're just writing two prepositional phrases back to back. And they literally are either redundant. They're saying the same thing or you just don't need one of them because the Mm -hmm. other one literally fills in that gap for you. Um, but, and then I have some examples because, you know, the, the one thing I'm excited about this book is not only do I teach what a preposition is and what a prepositional phrase is in this chapter, I then teach ways that you should use it, ways that you shouldn't use it, and then also how to bend it and how to break it. So like, you know, when I get into the, here's how I bend the rule, now I'm getting in, for these, I actually pull things from my actual writing. I change it a little bit you know, when it's needed to, to fit the example. But like here, the example is uh, Drake lay with his eyes closed for several moments. So Drake is our subject, lay is our action. With his eyes closed is a prepositional phrase. For several moments is a prepositional phrase. So I have two back-to-back prepositional mm. phrases. However, unlike across the alley to an adjacent fire escape, where if it's an adjacent fire escape, it's across the alley that's redundant, with his eyes closed for several moments, those actually enhance each other. Mm. Because if I just said Drake lay for several moments, you don't know if his eyes are closed or not. If I said Drake lay with his eyes closed, you don't know how long he's laying there with his eyes closed. So the sentence Drake lay with his eyes closed for several moments, I'm going to let that slide every single time because it's giving you two pieces of information that are very distinctive that I want the reader to get in this sentence. And then, you know, breaking the rule. And I think we've read this, uh, this opening line. This is the opening line to one of the chapters. Um, and we're talking about an opening line and has four preposition phrases in it. And if two is too many, you got to be thinking, well, Drake, you can't have four. Yeah, you can. You can absolutely break this rule. But again, it follows my rule of everything is adding and nothing is redundant. So the line reads, reality roiled into a kaleidoscope of colored light swimming across Malant Corps field of vision. So reality is our subject, roiled is our action. Into a kaleidoscope is one purpose phrase of colored lights. And technically, you could give me the argument of, well, wait a minute, isn't, couldn't you kind of say a kaleidoscope is colored lights? Well, no, because I've seen black and white kaleidoscopes. So technically, in my mind, no. Uh, across Malant Corps field is one prepositional phrase, and then of vision is another uh, prepositional phrase. But to me, none of them are redundant. They all add to the sentence. And so even though, and and they're all Similar enough, it isn't like that Spider-Man example where a bunch of different actions are happening that you have to keep track of. Kaleidoscope of colored lights across Malant Square field of vision is all kind of one action. And so therefore, I don't mind, you know, again, it, I'm breaking the rules of you should never have more than one prepositional phrase in your, um, in your sentence. I'm breaking it all over the place. But but it's following Drake's rules, which is none of the prepositional phrases are redundant. They all add something to the, that I want the reader to see. And they all also go so well together that you, that the reader's not even going to notice that it's a bunch of pieces, different pieces. It's sort of like Drake lay with his eyes closed for several moments. No one's going to go, Oh wow. I just got two pieces of information. I got that. He's got his eyes closed and he's there for several moments. No one's going to, no one's going to do that. It's just, he's laying there with his eyes closed for several moments. It's all one piece of information that I'm swallowing. And so the same thing with this one, reality rolled into a kaleidoscope of colored light swimming across Malant Corps field of vision. You're not going to go, wow, that's four complete different plus the sentence, you know, so it's five pieces of information that I got to keep track of. No, literally it's all just kind of one. And I guess 
it comes down to that uh, that dry discussion that we had again, not dry, uh, the 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 single responsibility principle discussion that we had, going back to my code examples. The sentence's responsibility is to tell you about one thing. The problem with the spider web one was it was also telling you about the alley and it was telling you about the fire escape. So instead of just giving you one piece of information, which is he shoots the web across the alley, it was well, also jamming in more stuff. It also gave you how he shot the yes. webs and also two actions. Not only is he, you know, swinging and leaping in the air, but he's also shooting webs. So three actions, actually. So, yeah, and that's the thing. So when I'm looking at my sentences, I do a pass on prepositions. I just have a macro that just pulls out prepositions. That's why I have a list of all of them because that's what it finds. Again, not all the time are those prepositions, you know, when they're used, they can be used as other things too, but, mm -hmm. but macros can't find, you know, parts of grammar. It just finds the word and highlights it red. Um, and it just lets me go through one pass and just look at them. And, and if there's two or three red words in a sentence, I can go, Hmm, is it, did I do something wrong here? And it's just that, that safety net. I'm, I'm a good enough writer now. And I've been looking at this for so long that very rarely do I go, Oh, wow. Look at that across the alley to adjacent fire escape. Well, you're an idiot. Like, of course it's across the alley because it's an adjacent fire escape. I almost never make this, but I still, I'm human. I make mistakes just like everybody makes mistakes. So, um, so I still like to make that preposition pass where I just go through and just, cause what does it take me two minutes? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm going to spend a year on a novel. I can't spend two minutes on a chapter to make sure that I haven't don't have some type of redundant preposition in there. So, and I think, yeah, I think that to me was was the interesting thing about about looking at, you know, click because getting getting a new piece of software for me means clicking on every button. Right. It's my job. So <laughs> right. you're a software designer. Yeah. So so when I get a new piece of software for whatever reason, I'm like, what does this button do? And this one and this one and this one. <laughs> um. And, uh, and so clicking on all those buttons was, was a very interesting experience in terms of just looking at the writing and seeing what it does. And this discussion around sentence structure, because one of the things that Grammarly also, oh, sorry, that, that pro writing aid, it's not Grammarly, I hate Grammarly, what pro writing aid does <laughs> is it highlights for you if you have, say, three sentences starting with the same word. Mm -hmm. Now, there was one case in which I actually was doing that on purpose. So mm -hmm. I right clicked on it and said ignore, which you can also do. Mm -hmm. You can just say ignore this for the, this piece of text. Um, I was doing that on purpose. But there was one case where I wasn't, where I was like, damn, look at that. Yeah. And it made suggestions on how to flip the sentence, which I thought was very nice. Of it. Yep. I didn't take most of the suggestions, but I thought it was very nice. Of it. Just to, just to, to expand upon when we were talking about it in that last podcast um, or in the previous podcast, it wasn't the last, but a while ago, the reason why you use it, there's some specific reasons. First of all, I make a few grammatical mistakes. Commas in the English language are the most stupid rules. Cause you know, the rules are always with commas. Like you will always use a comma here, except for unless it's like this, then you never use a comma except for unless it's like this. And then you can use a comma or not. It's kind of your decision. And it's like, that's not a rule. You literally just told me I had to, I can't, and I can if I want to. Like, that's like, I can't even imagine raising my children like that. It's like, you, you have to wash the dishes, but you can never wash the dishes. But if you want to wash the dishes, you could wash the dishes or you could choose not to wash the dishes. Like, no, no, that's not how we're going to work it in the Drake household. Um, but I, so I do like the, the, the grammar check, you know, the, the, you know, hey, you actually did misspell something that you didn't even notice, or, you know, you, I think you're missing a word here that, that needs to be there. And I do like that. And I do use that with every chapter. And then I do like the overused words, because that just, even though I have a macro for what, what I know of, of mm -hmm. my overused words that I do, um, since I've added the, the pro writing age, it actually does pick things that I don't still consider are problems with me. But if I have 14 of them in a, you know, 3000 word chapter, even though I don't right, for what it's just something happened in this chapter and I happen to use 14 of the same words. Um, unfortunately, there are some words that you just really can't change. You know, we've talked about those, like there's not a lot of ways to, to, um, 
I don't know what's what's what would be a word porch porch. Well, you've got deck and you've got there are no 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 not porch torch torch oh as torch in torch right like in a so torch a... once you like as I was recent I was right I was editing a scene just before this where I had torches and after you've covered flame and torch you know because it's these are torches that you carry so after you carry torch and flame and light you're like okay <laughs> what else have I got. <laughs> And then he brandished his wooden stick with fire on top. <laughs> Maybe not. That, that might be a bit too much. Um, but anyway, so I do use the overused words just to look at them. I've already ran my macro on the ones that I know are problems for me that I tend to overuse. Um, and most of my overused ones, because of the fact that I don't use speech tags, I have to look at redundant movements. So turned, looked, eyed, nodded, um, walked. Like those are things that I might tend to overuse because I'll get lazy in my not using speech tags and I'll write, you know, John nodded, Sally nodded, John nodded, Sally nodded. Now I don't do it in that close proximity, but if it's 5,000 words and I've used them seven times, I'll go through those seven sentences and I'll go, you know what? I could do a different action here. I could, well, I could have him rub his beard. I could have him tip his hat. I could have him, you know, scratch his ear because what I'm doing with, we already talked on this podcast where a lot of my speech tags are a lot of my action tags. A lot of my narration that's wrapped in, you know, around the dialogue will give you the, the clues that you need to know how the dialogue is set. But some things are just conversation. You know, they're, they're just, there's no real inflection. There's no real, they're just, it's like me and you talking right here. There's no real, we're saying the same thing. Mm. We're saying words the same way every time we open our mouths. And so with those, I just need to add something to make sure the reader knows who is saying it. So mm. if I said something like, you know, he scratched his earlobe, you know, Drake scratched his earlobe. Well, you know, I don't understand why we're even doing this stuff. Like, it seems weird to me. Like, that just lets you know that Drake is the one that's saying that because I just gave you an action of Drake's. But the... And, um the problem with nodded and sighing just on nodding and sighing is those are two of the most overused actions in any piece of fiction mm -hmm. writers. They so are. I, I highlight both of those in red every time. And I try and eliminate all of them except where they're actually yep. affirmatively useful. Yep. Because, 100% agree with that. Because they are so overused. 100% <laughs> agree with that. Um, or if it's like, okay, there are two in this 5,000 word chapter and I'm way too lazy to try to figure out how to get rid of those two. And That's they're, okay. you know, one's within the first 500 words and the other's in the last thousand words. I'm like, eh. the, the problem, the problem with nodding and sighing, because they are so overused in all fiction writing, it's not just your nodding and sighing that the reader remembers. Yep. The reader remembers every nod and sigh they've read in every book for the past 20 years. And they're like, I hate that action. <laughs> yep. Yep. No, 100%. Um, so, yeah. So that's why I use the overused. Um, and then I use the combos, the all, uh, all repeats and the echoes. Um, and so that's what you're talking about here, where you have sentences that start with the same word over and over and over again. And we've talked about that on the podcast, where sometimes redundancy use correctly is very powerful you know if you have three sentences they're exactly the same with just a, a maybe a word different in each one of them um it, it can really but you want to do that once like once in an entire five thousand word chapter i we talked about this before and, and i still am i still am, am satisfied with that i know you look at your whole manuscript for that i i feel every chapter is kind of its own island so as long as i do my job in a chapter you know if you take it, if you, if you're like, man, in every chapter, somebody nods. Okay. People nod a lot. Yeah. Like, so if there's 68 chapters, there's 68 nods to me in 180,000 word novel, 68 nods just doesn't offend me as opposed to you realize that in the last three paragraphs, you've written nodded seven times. Like that's offensive to me. Whereas 68 in a 68 chapter 180,000 word book. Let me take that nodding to you and say, how many fields do you tolerate? None. Exactly. Field and felt are zero. 
you're yeah. right because those are yeah. always tells yeah so and um, i'm not saying like nods are like that but i'm saying like there are some things that you absolutely should certain, not tolerate certainly 100 yeah like it's um, funny because because I w- the only feels or felt I'll ever have is in dialogue. And even those, I'm just, I stare at them like, <laughs> I hate that word so much. And it's not, a t- it's, it's somebody going, well, I just felt that you were a little mean back there. Like, and I'll still go, can I rewrite this dialogue to like, cause I hate that word so much. Um, and, and it's not a tell at all. I, and a lot of times I will leave it, but I still can't not stare at it for a few minutes. Um, because it is, you're right, it is such a, yeah. it's been driven into me so hard that that is just a terrible, telly, crappy word. About the repetition. So I, I say that there's nothing wrong with repeating a sentence if it's meant to have that impact. Yeah. So I, I wrote I wrote a paragraph where I said, you know, um, Isabella ran away, away from her liege, away from her response, away from everything, right? They right. one after the other like that. Because I wanted it to start with, because I want that impact of her, you know, like running steps, running away. Right. Because this. you're driving home that that desire to just to really just be away, not yes. even away, like the away from doesn't even matter anymore. Mm. It's just that. I've got to get away. And it's just, yeah. yeah, that is so powerful. And, but again, once yes, uh, in a chapter, once. Once really in not, the book. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. I wouldn't use that once every chapter, although I might, because I still, I don't know. It, it, it depends. It can, like I wouldn't use that structure in the chapter unless it had real impact in the chapter. Right. Exactly. But I certainly wouldn't repeat it in a chapter. Now, I did use that repeat again, but that was in a declaration of faith, where obviously you start every sentence with, I believe, right? Because that's what declarations of faith right. do. Right. Um, and then it's, then it's about the ritual of the thing. Yeah. And again, it all, and why is that ritual there? Because it has impact. That's why we say it that way too, in the yes. real world world not yes. just in the, the literary the, world the, the whole nicaean uh the the whole nicaea um declaration of faith uh is is uh i believe in in god the father the son it's been a long time but that one <laughs> yeah so like i said those are the things that i use in pro writing aid and i don't use them i, I don't other than my so there's there I, and there may be more but there's two off the top of my head that i can think of feel felt and the mm-hmm. word said so like I do the same thing because it's not used in my narration at all. Never mm. will you read the word said in my narration, but, mm. but, but there might be the line of no, what I said was, and mm. then I'll still hit that word and I'll be like, oh, can I get rid of that? Um, and, you know, of course, like I said, usually I'll, I'll try to get over my um, prejudice of it and let, cause it's that how many other ways can you say, no, what I said was no, what I articulated was like, <laughs> No, you're not going to do that. Maybe you could do something like you misunderstood me. But then again, I still want to follow that with I said, but again, that's me and me planting my flag in. I'm not going to do these things. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it it is dependent. Like I do have some speech tags. I do try and reduce my speech. tags. You should try to reduce them. And you should. Everybody should try and reduce their speech tags. Um, But I do use speech tags. But feel, feel and felt, I don't, I kill them. No, no. don't use those. There's no reason to use those. It is always crappy, telly, lazy writing. Always. I can't, maybe, you know, again, we're trying to include you guys a lot more. So in the comments, and you only comment on YouTube, I think, or you can send us an email to um, uh, releasingyourinnerdragon at gmail.com. But if you guys can come up with a line that you think is like, no, no, I'm going to prove Drake wrong. I'm going to write feel or felt in narration, not in dialogue, in narration. And it's te- it's showy and immersive. And if you think you can do that and prove me wrong, then I'd love to be proven wrong. But as as of now, I don't believe that 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 feel or felt can be used in any other way than a crappy telly. You know, lazy. It's lazy writing. I agree. Um, now, what I don't mean on that is where you're like, oh no, I, the word felt impact is, is the impactful word. You can definitely convince me, uh, have an argument for that where it's like, no, no, really. If, if I wrote, you know, like 
Drake felt he honestly felt or whatever, like whatever you might be able to come up with something convincing me, but I, I can't do it. And so, you know, again, if you guys can do it, take up the challenge, send us an email, sit, you know, make us a comment in YouTube. Uh, I'd love to see your guys' attempt. I don't think you can use it without filtering. Like, I think you, you, it, it, it has like, it has to be a filtering word. Like, how can it not be? Well, I can definitely come up with an example that's not filtering. Because, I mean, you could put it in other types of clauses. So, you know, Drake loved his puppy, but he felt having to comb its hair every morning was tedious. Um, that's not filtering, because I'm not filtering you through Drake. I'm just being telly. I'm telling you what Drake feels. Um, but, I could just, like, but I could kill that in the same way I kill filtering, because you go... certainly. Drake loved his puppy, but having to comb his hair every morning was a chore. Was tedious or whatever. Yeah. Um, he, even if you wanted to say he found it, like there's a million ways to, to get yeah. rid of it. Right. So, yes, I'm just saying it's not my definition of, a, of the mm. filter. It's just tell is what mm. it becomes at that point. So just so. Yeah. Um, but Drake felt. Ty, you know, felt tired from having to comb his puppy's hair every day all that's real i mean not that i actually i should have had a little girl i only had two little boys but and the dog's a boy but he's got he's a lot he's a shih tzu so he's got really long hair and every day i have to comb it up and i'm doing two ponytails right now see at my feet it's not he's probably chasing a cat somewhere um but now i've been doing two ponytails on his little head he looks so cute um, but yeah, my wife is like, yeah, we should have had a girl because you would have just combed her hair every day. Um, <laughs> I actually find it cathartic. Oh my goodness. He's got little ponytails. He's sleeping. <laughs> He's so sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing the two ponytails because he tends to not knock it out of his knock it out of his hair. He's tired. He's sleeping at my feet. All right, I can go back to sleep. Made your appearance. So going back to the sentences, let's get back to because we don't have a huge amount. Actually, we're probably at about yeah, an we're, hour. We 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 have been on oh. an hour. So maybe we should do this a second time and get into to all the different types of sentences and and mixing them up and why they're important. If you want to see us talk about sentences, let us know in the comments below, and we'll see about covering like the actual sentence structures and all the rest of that and otherwise we will see you soon for another episode Bye.